Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolution.org hardcore podcast coming your way. This is episode 130. We're doing Stephen Chow on this episode. A guy most of you probably never heard of, but he's an interesting story. Steve Smee here in the mobster joining me to talk about it. How's it going, buddy? Uh, we're, we're, we're floating all our way to America, <laughs> but we're ready to rock and roll here in the UK. I'm, I'm golden. Let's go. All right. So Stephen Chow, he, uh, you know, he's a guy. He's a social media influencer. He's a guy who has millions of views on his YouTube videos. You know, he, he's a young guy. Um, he started when he was 16 years old, transforming himself. And he did a six-year transformation where he turned into a skinny computer nerd that you would look at in a typical, you know, think of him as a guy, you know, living in grandma's basement on the computer playing uh world of warcraft and watching lord of the rings and and all this stuff and then he transformed himself into an absolute ripped beast but yeah. the cool thing about it mobster is he transformed himself i think a lot of people respect him for this reason he didn't yeah. do like a three-month transformation he did a six-year transformation and i think More a lot realistic. of people, yeah it's and a lot of people respect him for that. And he got a lot of followers on social media because a lot of guys are were in his shoes. They were picked on as kids their whole lives. Mm. You know, the bullies, they always want to pick on the skinny guys. And, you know, he got picked on and he turned himself into an absolute beast that no one wants to mess with, at, you know, afterwards. So, you know, we're going to talk about him and, um, there is a transformation montage, which we're going to link in the article that you guys can look at. And that transformation montage video has gotten 4 million views. So wow. it's been an inspiration for a lot of, of people out there. And it kind of built him a, a kind of cult following of guys saying, hey, even I can transform my body. Even I yeah. can, even though my genetics are crap and I'm the guy in, in, in elementary school and middle school that no one wanted to pick to, to play on the basketball team or the football team and a lot mm. of stuff. So that can motivate you instead of using that as a negative, it can motivate you to push yourself. I know mobster, you know, you've always probably been a big guy. You're probably the bully back in school. <laughs> probably were bullying guys like this, right? No, no, no not really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think I was I kind of grew into myself when I was 15. So I'm gonna say up to the ages of 13, 14, I was kind of an average Joe and, and a bit more of an Exomor. So there's a little bit of from what you're saying, what he's doing so I can do it. I kind of sort of a, 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 a blew up to use a crude crude phrase when my bollocks dropped. The, the moment I, I started to become a man instead of a boy, I kind of blew up then. And I think I've got some of my granddad genetics. But if you just see me when I was uh, 13 or 14, you would you, you would think otherwise. But I think the moment I started training, there was kind of a kick and ass with bullies, funny enough, because I wasn't really having problems before, but I started to fight bullies. So yeah, there's a bit of that. And there, I think being a big guy, people see you as a certain way. So even the guys that come and train here with me, I'll occasionally give them a hard time for certain things. Make sure you're here doing this, make sure you're here doing that. Like, like, like. I won't say a bully, but getting shit done or whatever else. So yeah. I, I, I Stephen, to me, he's, as you, you say, he's very much an inspiration purely and simply because he did not have the greatest genetics and certainly didn't appear to have the greatest genetics. And as you said, the reasonable length of time for a transformation, if you're absolutely hell-bent on building a great physique, the, the, the limited time is probably about five years. Now, we might get into whether or not he pushed himself a little bit, especially with the Instagram aspect in terms of whether, uh, PED use, which, of course, we'll, we'll talk about at the end. But I think his journey, as you say, six years to transform his body shows that it can be done. 
It's none of these six-week, 12-week, six-month transformations. This is a realistic time scale. He's put, and, he, and he's putting the work. And I mean, I'm looking at the photographs which we've got with the article. It's got an outstanding. It's got a seriously, seriously, probably, I'm going to say, no exaggeration, I'm going to say world-class back. For his height, his frame, his back is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, that's, I think the thing that Vigna said, you said as well, it was definitely, by his own admission, something of a nerd when 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 he started and and you wouldn't believe that to look at him now that's that's how dramatic the transformation is guys steve's already mentioned it go look at the article check out these photographs that we're talking about and and tell us if you don't agree that this guy has made something kind of magical happen by putting the hard work in and in a realistic time scale none of these kind of listen men's health men's fitness magazines Every bodybuilder magazine I've ever read from probably 1950 onwards says something stupid like six weeks to a better abs, 12 weeks to a better chest. No, six six years. But that's kind of cool because it's real. He's done the work. He's not done stupid stuff, controversial stuff, in my opinion. So he's actually kind of inspirational. So check him out and let's get into the meat and, and, and potatoes, Steve. Let's, let's talk more about what he's done. So uh, he's about 26 years old now. Three years ago, um, his stats were listed as 5'10", around 190 pounds. Looking at his Instagram page, Mobster, I would say that he's probably weighing closer to like 210, maybe even 215. He seems to have put mm -hmm. on more size in the past three years. You look at his Instagram pictures. But even when he, you know, three years ago, he was uh, 5'10", 190, which is a uh, ripped you know ripped physique i'd say his body fat from his pictures i mean probably five percent five percent body fat which is fantastic yes. maybe yes. six yes. percent at the most mm. now looking at his pictures maybe. looks like he's um you know matured into his body his uh, body fat now is about the same but he's put on even more muscle so there's definitely mm. you know we can speculate he's definitely running PEDs and we're going to get into some of the PEDs that we think he ran during his transformation and then since his since uh, that six uh, that transformation finished three years ago because now he's really matured now at 26 you can definitely tell the difference between a 16 year old a 23 year old and a 26 year old I think a lot of the younger guys out there you guys don't realize that that life doesn't end at 25 once you you know once you get to your 20s <laughs> yeah. it's amazing yeah. You can look at the pictures of your father or your grandfather or your uncle. Look at the way they looked at 20 and then look at the way they looked at 30. You know, in those Frequency. 10 years, yeah, there's an amazing amount of maturity that, that comes in during that phase. Very, very quickly, a, a very good example of this in, in the podcast we just done was uh, Chris Dickerson, which is upcoming, uh, ready to play soon, and 43 years of age. Sean Roden, 43 years of age, both winning the Mr. Olympia. We talked about this in our last podcast for Chris again, where we talked about the muscle maturity of guys coming into the Mystery Olympia. There's a lot of 35 and 40 year olds now on stage because they've got that muscle maturity. And Stephen might even have a slight advantage over those guys because they've grown into themselves and got the look of a champion by 20 years in the gym. Whereas Steve, I think the, the you said three to five percent, I think his back looks peeled. So yeah, the, the, the maturity stuff, I, I was probably at my strongest all round around 40 to 45 years of age. For there you go, guys. As Steve says, life doesn't end at 25. There's progress to be made. You've got Olympia champions, middle age. You've got powerlifting and strength champions, middle age. So you got. don't think that stuff needs to change. You can carry on doing this stuff. Now stay healthy, keep your joints, and uh, follow our sensible advice, and we'll get you all the way. I want to be 70 and 80 training, Steve. I don't know about you. Yeah, man, for sure. So, yep, it's definitely you got a long way to go, guys. So let's start with his early life. His first love, we mentioned as the hint, he actually was a basketball player originally, believe it or not. You know, at five foot ten, you know, that's a pretty it's a pretty good height, you know. So for the at, Chinese Asians, yeah. yeah Chinese <laughs> so, Asian American. Yep. So I mean, you know, five ten you can get away with, with playing um, you know, basketball. Obviously, you'd be playing uh, point guard. And you, you know, you'd be able to play in high school if you're, if you're five foot 10. So one day he wanted to be a pro basketball player, believe it or not. He noticed he just wasn't strong enough to compete. 
um, when, when basketball, you really have to be strong, especially in your legs and your hips. If you're posting up a guy or someone's guarding you and your back is to them and they have basically their forearm on your back, you have to be able to move that guy. You have to be able to set picks mm. if you're a point guard to help free up guys for shots. You know, so if you're not strong in basketball, then you're in trouble. You got to be able to defend on the other end. If a guy's coming at you and you just let him basically push through you, <laughs> then you're not going to be able to stop him. It's going to be impossible. You have to be able to put basically just stop him in his tracks without getting a foul. If you're too weak, that's where you end up having to force yourself to foul him. So that's not going to work either. So he started weight training and bam, you know, he started getting results. Now let's be honest. Yeah. This guy has amazing genetics. He just never tapped into them. He was no. playing basketball. He didn't know that he had good weight training genetics. So he was able to basically, when he started weight training, started noticing, wow, I'm, I like this. I love this better than basketball. And I'm getting results. So he kind of spent a few years improving his diet, his workouts. He hired a coach to help him get him to the next level. And then he had a hernia. So hernias are very, very common among weightlifters. I have at least one hernia. I have probably like two hernias. I have one in, you know, near my uh, belly button, above my belly button. I have one kind of mm-hmm. on the side side of me which i acquired i know the one on belly bone when i acquired deadlifting so we start getting hernias especially when you're young that's you know that's going to be an issue that has to be resolved um you know uh, i'm in a situation where i can leave mine um especially since i'm not training heavy anymore but if you're a young guy and you get them it's good to get them taken care of because they can yes. become complicated as you get older so he had to have surgery which is always the last resort, but in his situation, he had to have surgery. So he had to take some time off. This can really frustrate a person and it frustrated him. But the nice thing is sometimes the body will, will make you take time off. So maybe this was a blessing in disguise because he did come back and he was ready to compete the next year. Very quickly then. So this is a solid piece of advice, guys, because I know fellas that have had the surgery. And in fact, listening to the story, especially with the basketball background, it reminds me of Phil Heath. And Phil, of course, has just had hernia surgery, I think it was last year or the year before, after he took a year out for the Olympia. Get the surgery done, guys, especially if you want to have the kind of physique that Stephen's got. It's well worth it. It's quite straightforward, quite simple, relatively easy to recover from. And the surgery that they do now with the Teflon uh, mesh patches that go underneath the skin, which are either side of where the hernia are fantastic. This is a level above what they were doing when I was a kid. It's well worth doing. And we're all about protecting your long-term health. What Steve's talking about with the belly buttons called an umbilical hornia. Horn, uh, I forget the name of the ones that stand that are growing, which is very common in men that working men of my parents' generation. And they used to get this from the heavy loads at the factories and stuff that they were doing. Surgery then was opening you up, pushing that, 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 that the, 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 the hernia back in and stitching you up. That's kind of crap. It's way, way better than that. It's worth the money and it's not an expensive operation. So if you can afford it and you're serious about your sporting uh, uh, future, get it done. Phil might have left it a little bit late, but even Phil, he's had it done. So, yeah, back to you, Steve. Yeah, so let's kind of talk about his competition. His, uh, he took first place, 2016 John Kemper Classic Men's Physique, Class B and Novus Class A. Next year, he won first place at NPC Men's Physique Junior National Championships. And that got him his pro card. San Jose Pro, he finished fourth place in physique. So, and he's been competing. I think he's been competing a few times here and there, but he's mostly focused. He has said that he's uh, competed in four competitions on his Instagram page, which was put up like six months ago. Four competitions in the in the prior year. So he does compete maybe once every three to six months. He'll do a competition here and there, but really, he seems to be more business oriented, pushing his business. Um, He'll, he's got things on his social media, his Instagram page. He's got 744,000 followers, which is a lot. And on his Instagram page, he'll post up pictures of him taking a supplement and then pushing the supplement, having a code. 
the way it works guys in the industry is you know they'll give you a code when people use your code and buy a supplement you get a little commission so it's kind of like an affiliate program type of thing so you know he might make i don't know 10 15 what do you think mobster 10 15 percent off of every supplement that people use this code what is it oh for sure i i yeah. think that he's one of these guys that knows exactly and he's got the physique to back it up and the sense to back it up from everything we've seen so far and he competes he's not just insta famous he's out there doing the grind and competing as well if he was just insta famous as, as we got coming up on, on our next podcast it's a different i like the way that he's doing business I like the fact that he's applying himself in this particular way. And I mean, we're not sitting here looking for his Instagram right now. I see what he's, he's, he's pushing too much, but I don't think he goes crazy. He's not, he's not kind of a fake Insta, Insta famous kind of fella. He feels like a real Insta famous. So with three quarters of a million followers, even if he was only getting 5%, Steve, there's some money to be made out there. I know, I know of guys that have got way less numbers than this on YouTube, for example, one, one of the, was making thirty-five thousand pounds, so about forty-five, about forty, forty-five thousand dollars a year, by doing one hour of video. And one of his videos was removing vinyl wallpaper, Steve. So it can't be more boring, but just applying yourself properly and knowing how this business works, there's money to be made. And I think that's where Stephen's genius lies. Great physique, proper journey. He does compete, so he's kind of real, and he's doing this job properly. He's, if you, if you guys are keen on the whole social media and making money doing that kind of stuff. Steven is a very good person to follow. Even if you only follow him on Instagram to see how it's done on Steve. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree for sure. And you know, all these supplements that he's promoting, they're, they're supplements. Most guys use like the way he's got meal programs, you know, this, yeah. you know, just the, the cookie cutter supplements that guys are going to buy, especially younger guys. They're going to buy no matter. I mean, I don't use whey protein myself. I don't know mobster if you use it. I don't do. You use yeah, it? I do yeah. You use yeah, yeah. It? I mean, so, I mean, he, some people use them, some people don't, but a lot of the younger guys especially like to use whey protein. So my, you know, my thing is too, in him, not just, he's not promoting supplements. He's also has training programs. Um, I saw on his website, he has a $10 a month coaching program, which he kind of has, you know, it's kind of a, a group. He's got one-on-one -on -one coaching programs, consultations. He's got workout programs. He's got diet programs um, to, to help people too. So, you know, he's got a lot of, he's monetizing it quite a bit. And um, like Momster said, you know, you can't fault him at all a lot of guys i'm sure he's helping a lot of guys in the process um a lot of you know what these guys do maybe cookie cutter obviously yeah they have they have people you know assistants and stuff that copy and paste yep. and workout programs he might have five workout programs five diet programs and then he'll copy paste one of those fives based on the person and that's fine um some of these guys in the industry admit it they, they straight out admit hey we we copy paste the program. We don't have time to sit down with someone. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, he may sit down with the person or he may not. I don't know. Um, I mean, but I mean, you know, kudos to him either way um, for, for doing that either way, you know, uh, you're helping people. So that's good. So definitely. Yeah. You guys can <clears throat> link it over and go check out his, uh, his website and see what he has to offer for him. So um, other than that, um, you know, that pretty much sums it up, guys. I mean, we let's kind of, yeah, Mobster jump in. One there. more thing, which we talked about in the pre-show, Steve. He's been quite outspoken about the whole bullying thing, probably at high school and maybe to some lesser degree on, online. And I'd say a positive thing again is, is that he's been able to speak out about this, talk about the influences had on him, as you said earlier on, uh, and... That's something that you can do. Sometimes, in fact, Steve, Steve Smee and I try to do this kind of thing all the time. When we're on the forums handing out advice, I call it looking at the bigger picture. We are trying to help people. The forum is trying to help people. It might be helping you with a source. It might be helping you to do a sensible cycle. So when he talks about bullying, when Stephen says, this has happened and this is how I dealt with it, it's a message that's going out to on Instagram to three quarters of a million people on YouTube. It's a hundred thousand subscribers. You're you're as a way of being a positive influence on people and spreading a message. So it might just be this. This is what I was like. This is what I've become. This is how I've dealt this 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 bullshit. This is how whatever and 
this is the way that I am now. So there's there's an opportunity there sometimes. I don't think everybody on Instagram or social media gets it always. Some, if you look at some of the early stuff that guys have done, it's just gone awful, not just because it's bad editing or really shitty video. It's because they haven't got an eye, an eye on the future or the bigger picture stuff. This is why I said Stephen earlier on. I think he has. So he comes across in a way, and things like being able to speak out about bullying is kind of a big deal when you've potentially got 100,000 people watching your videos or more. As you say, Steve, there's a, you know stuff with 4 million views, a million views, this kind of stuff, and three-quarters of a million people on Instagram. If you put up one picture on Instagram saying, fuck bullying, three-quarters of a million people are going to see that. And it's and and they could go off and they could share it, they could spread that word. So there's there's opportunities beyond making a buck. Sometimes it's just doing a nice thing for other people, Steve. Anyway, back to you. Yeah, and and where are those bullies that used to bully him now? Where are they? They're probably selling and earning their money. Yeah, they're selling insurance or some other shit job yeah. where they grift people. At least this guy's helping people. And look at the way this yeah. guy looks now. He takes care of his body. He loves his body. Maybe a little too much. But we all love our body a little too much. I mean, I mean, come on. How many of us look in the mirror every day with no, you know, no shirt? We wouldn't do what we're doing now if there wasn't something to drive really? us. And yeah, yeah. You, and you, mobster, you like to squeeze the living daylights out of things, you like grip shit. So I mean, we all, we all, we're all like that too. You got to have a little egotistical. But let's get into you his need diet. something to drive you. Yeah. You're gonna get into his training, uh, mobster. You're a training expert. I'm gonna talk a little bit about his diet. He mentioned sushi a lot. Over the yeah. year, if you go on Instagram, he actually likes to go eat sushi. Now, sushi, guys, sushi is actually healthy if you're using scratch. Um, if you go to the wrong restaurant or you go to the wrong supermarket and you get sushi, oh, yeah. it can be a very unhealthy because they use a lot of hydrogenated oils. Well, it is. They use yeah. crap ingredients. The fish even are like farm raised from China. They're swimming in their own sewage, you know. So you can yeah. have healthy sushi, yeah. you can have unhealthy sushi. So he obviously goes knows what restaurants to go to good quality restaurants are going to have good quality sushi if you go to a crappy restaurant you know uh, uh if you go to a franchise restaurant you're probably going to eat crap sushi because that's they're trying to make money as much money as they can to squeeze profit if you go to a good authentic sushi restaurant you're going to have good quality sushi so he knows what to do with that another meal that he likes to you know uh, post on his instagram is just a simple salad um, you got some greens, you got some tomatoes, some salad, some use, use some coconut oil, some some uh, legitimate olive oil and chicken or maybe some beef with it. Just a simple salad uh, with some chicken and, and beef with it. Very, very simple. Another meal he likes. Um, that's an early meal. He'll he'll post pictures. Uh, he's got a picture of an omelet, egg omelet. Boom. You know, um, so <laughs> eggs are a big part of his diet. Uh, very, very simple, guys. It's not complicated. He talks about as well, you know, he have a cheat meal every now and then, maybe a cookie or two. You have, have a cookie or two every now and then. With his body fat levels being that low, he can't afford to have a cookie every now and then. It's not going to make a difference. But if you're an overweight person, that cookie is going to make a difference. So in his situation, he can he can throw in a cookie and error, but 90, 95% of the time, you know, he's eating good clean healthy foods it's not a secret how he stays so lean guys it's not complicated and i believe he's either engaged or married and his spouse she's also big into fitness as well i'm not sure if she has her own social media but she also seems like a health nut as well and um so when you're when you're in a relationship with someone like that you kind of yin and yang off each other and you keep each other both in line so it's not that complicated guys so if you guys are seeing this you know, it's not that complicated, guys. Eating clean. You you have to know what you're putting in your body. There's two 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 thoughts here. One, and I think probably from what you're saying with the pictures on, on Instagram of his food, I got the impression that it is a, a seriously for an awful lot of guys that diet, and I've got guys that come here and practically the first thing they start talking about before they've even started lifting weights is what they're gonna have to eat later on because they're on a diet, so they become obsessed with food naturally when it wasn't that fast before. I suspect it's the same here. So when he's putting these pictures up, my impression of it is he's only having a cheat meal once a fortnight, once every three weeks or something. It's not something he's doing every week. And it's certainly not cheating and breaking down his diet like a great deal of people do. And they wonder why they don't get anywhere. And what Steve said is correct. It's 100% correct. You keep it basic. You do what needs to be done. 
you get all your damn meals in and you grow or you get or you lose fat or or you transform like he has it's boring but it works it's bland but it works and of course we say that there's things you can do to spice stuff up you can vary the things we got too many members on a couple of the forums that were on here Steve, that don't even eat vegetables i guarantee you that stephen's the kind of guy if he doesn't like greens he eats his greens he does what needs to be done and that's why he looks the way that he does it's it's honestly sometimes it's kind of frustrating unless you've got some kind of an allergy or you're spewing this stuff back up do what needs to be done and you'll look like Stephen, or you'll make a journey to look like Stephen. Don't tell me that you can't do certain things if you haven't got a note from your doctor or you've got some kind of allergy, because otherwise, get out there and do your shit and do it properly, and boom. How does this guy look? He looks like a freak of nature, from average to a freak of nature, because he put the work in, he ate all these fucking veggies, he... When you're putting up a picture of an omelette, Steve, that's a kind of bland kind of meal. That was probably a treat for him. And as you said, with a sushi, I get the feeling that a sushi is a once every three weeks, a once a month treat. That's why we're seeing these pictures. If he was eating that stuff all the damn time, you wouldn't see pictures of it. So he's out there. And Steve's quite correct. The difference in my own personal experience was minimal when it comes to sushi. Quality matters. If you go for the real deal and find a proper Asian place that does this, the difference between that and something you can buy in the supermarket or off the shelf is on another level, guys. So it's worth making, and again, just as a treat, it's worth making a thing for. And some of the really, really big guys, and I, I follow a couple of huge monsters on Instagram that are 360, 370 pounds. This is like, have you ever seen any of those really steep where they're eating 40, 50 pieces of sushi? <laughs> I think a hundred pieces. That's kind of crazy. Let's yeah. get into the training. Steve. Yeah, let's, yeah, real let's go quick. Into I, the training. Yeah, talk about training for a couple of But yeah. with, one last thing with the sushi, I was watching an uh, interview. He was in, uh, this uh, reporter was interviewing a football player, and he asked them. He's like, you know, what food do you eat in the off season? What's one of your treats? He said sushi. He's like, I just eat it in the off season. I don't eat it during the season because it's not healthy. And the reporter was like, What? Sushi's not healthy? Mm-hmm. Well. See, the reporter didn't understand that sushi, when you go to a restaurant or when you get it off the shelf at a supermarket, is not healthy. Yeah. If you look at what's in it, you know, you'd be like, wow, this is none of these ingredients are healthy. But again, if you make it yourself and, or you go to an authentic oh, yeah. restaurant, it can be healthy. That's so right. that's that's the that's the separation where people and this reporter is overweight. He can never lose weight. He's always complaining about I want to lose weight. I don't know. He's, he's a guy that I follow on uh, online but he's always complaining i can't lose weight guys you that's one of the best weapons i can give you is know what you're putting in your body sushi oh, yeah. can be healthy it can be healthy but it also can be extremely unhealthy a steak can be healthy and a steak can be extremely unhealthy chicken can be mm. healthy and be it just depends on how you make it how you prep it yeah. and all that stuff and the quality of the actual uh food so this is an example and i think that a lot of people, once they figure that out, they won't spin their wheels anymore when it comes to uh, nutrition yes. and health. Yeah. Very but monster, get into training for a couple minutes, and we're going to get into steroid talk. That's what you guys want to hear. Right. So, so training again. I'm not going to say this because I've been around a long time. So this is no great shock to me the way that Stephen trains. Uh, and one of the things that says in the article is that he was kind of mimicking '70s bodybuilders, and I agree because he's got that tiny little waist. And the round shoulders and the rip bodies. But he probably kind of reminds me a little bit uh, something I know you old school uh, listeners will know about, which is a Vince Granada with the tiny waist and the taper and the abs and all the rest of it. So we're back in the day. We're talking about a minimum of five times a week. When he's a younger guy, I only train four times a week, Stephen. It's some more strength stuff, and I'm not doing high volume. I say that with maybe back sixteen sets. Everything else is less than that. He keeps it to 90 minutes a session. So again, this is not not uh, crazy stuff here with maybe two hours if you throw cardio in the mix a little bit there. High volume training, lighter weights. He's not a power builder. He's not, and again, we've addressed this in previous podcasts, he's not trying to be a Chris Cormier or a flex wheeler and trying to put four and 500 pounds up on the incline bench here. He wants to look good. So it's a visual thing. So it's going to be medium to high volume training lighter weights so to use the euphemism that they would have used back in the day he's sculpting his physique uh however 
and and as a damn good reason for it, of course, we've addressed it already. We said he's got an amazing back. He works that back. And in fact, I'm probably fortunate talking to some of the guys that train here with me. I can feel my back working when I train my back. I can contract my back in such a way when I'm just demonstrating without any way. It's just standing there saying, this is how you need to do the, the, the exercise. And I can feel my muscles contracting. A lot of guys don't have that sense. I suspect Stephen does have that that feel. And so he gets a great deal out of training his back. Says the favourite lifts here are pull-ups, chin-ups as we might call it, lat pull-downs, T-bar rows, seated cable rows, and standing lat push-downs. In fact, we do a few of these, and we're talking about four sets of 10 to 12 reps here, Steve. I, I, we, do, we do stuff. I'm doing a chest-supported row in lieu of the T-bar row. I love seated cable rows, especially when they're done strictly. Standing lat pull-downs, we do a variation of push-downs, a variation of what we call it's like a straight arm pullover, but using a cable machine. That really gets the, the muscle up into the armpit, the tears major, to really contract. And it's a lovely finisher to the end of a workout. You can do those for high rep guys. So, yeah, that's, I, 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 I tell you what, and I don't know if there's a video out there, guys. If you can find it, see if there's a, a on, on, him, on his YouTube channel, there's bound to be one. Check out his back workout. You'll see what he's done, how he's made that back look. And, of course, because he's so physically impressed, in that particular body part, it's going to be a pretty cool video to watch. Let's get on to the PEDs here, Steve. I've got a couple of ideas. I'm sure that we and we're going to touch on these as far as, far as being Instagram famous, and then obviously we'll talk about what he actually uses as well. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Um. What we can talk. Let's talk about what so, we think he used originally during his transformation, the okay. six transformation, and then what he's been using since, because he's definitely changed his physique since uh, the past three years. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, what, what the specific thing that I had in mind, and something Steve and I addressed in the podcast, uh, the pre-show for the podcast today, was if I was going to be at all negative in terms of Stephen's approach, because everything else to my mind so far has been quite positive. It's going to be the possibility they might have gone on relatively young in order to make his social media as good as it is. Now, I say this, I, I, I'm not saying negative, because I don't know necessarily, I mean, of course, I've used steroids, Stephen and I both used steroids, of course we have. But uh, when you're talking to the younger listeners and the younger guys that are trying to make something out of their social media, I, I, and I'm seeing examples of this, just watched a video this morning before we did the pre-show of a 17-year-old talking about his steroids because he's done quite well on, on YouTube. Uh, the, the, the one that we had recently, which we met, I mentioned on the forum, was a 14-year-old on trend. So my fear, such as it is, and we can't say this 100%, it's just a guess, is I'm thinking maybe Stephen has tried or gone on a little bit earlier than I would prefer in order to make something of his social, to have that physique that he can present on social media, not just for competition, because we know he's a decent competitor, but pushing a the envelope a little bit earlier than I would prefer, which as we know, Steve, from the forums, whenever we get younger users that have gone a little bit too early, stayed on a little bit too long, we end up having to sort of kind of bail them out and help them. And it's, it's one of those advisory things, guys. If you can do this, fine. If you can hold off as long as possible, preferably to your mid-20s, so much the better. You've got to remember, Stephen's only 26 now. So that's going to tell you right there that if he has used PEDs, and we think he has, then it's going to be earlier than 25 years of age and potentially in his late teens to very early 20s. And again, this is only a guess. So the warning is don't do what we think he might have done. Now, we're going to get into the specifics of the drugs, as you say, what was done possibly before. Uh, and, and it wouldn't be, a, this is a kind of guess again, for we're doing all this kind of stuff. We look at his physique, we look at what he's achieved. He is competing. He's competed not that long ago. He's certainly competed to a decent level with the NPC. So it's almost a given that what we're about to talk about now, Steve, is, is probably on the table. So, yeah, let's crack on from this point. Yeah, so some of the steroids that, you know, ha were around, obviously, during that time, you know, and usually what happens is yep. when younger guys use steroids, mobster, it's always like a friend, like, or a trainer gets them to do yeah. it. Because, and, and the reason for that is trainers, they want you to get results because they're under pressure. You're paying them to get them results. So you feel obligated as a trainer to introduce them to PEDs for that reason. So we see mm -hmm. this happen 
all the time, or it could be a friend. Uh, you'll see a friend like, oh my God, you know, how are you so strong? How did you improve so much? And a yeah. friend will be like, hey, dude, come here. Listen, man, I'm using <laughs> some stuff. You want me to hook you up? They're excited to talk. About it. It's kind of, it's a taboo. It's especially in the United States. It's a taboo. Maybe not so much in Britain because you guys have different laws, but in the United States, that's a taboo. Oh yeah, man, I can hook you up with some stuff. So they'll get them involved. And then that's how they kind of get introduced to steroids at a young age. I think that's probably Let me what happened. Let tell you a very, very quick story, Steve. So as I'm talking about two stone lighter than I am right now, about probably near a three stone lighter. So that's going to be the best part of 40 something pounds. And I'm walking down in Gloucester city center with a buddy of mine who was a world, uh, a world-class strength athlete all the way up to the world's strongest man. I'm not going to name him. And we're walking to town and we were approached by two guys in the street. And practically the first thing they said to us was how much can you bench? And the second thing they said to us was, where can we get steroids from? And this is in the downtown center where we're walking past all the people going to the shops and, and chilling outside and having a coffee outside a cafe. You're like, seriously, your second question to two guys you've never met is what drugs are you on and where can we get some? I don't know whether to be insulted for all the hard work that I put in or whether that's just kind of their thought process or something. It's, you know, so it, it, can, it kind, of, kind of feels weird sometimes in that particular way when you've been training. I think I've been training there for 20-something years. So all those years I trained without drugs mean nothing. Your first question is, can I venture? The second question is, what drugs and where can we get some? How about you go and do some work? Like, that's how so it the is, lazy man. SOB. So, yeah, there's an element. I think if you're the bigger guy in the gym, they think some of it is drug-related, not work-related. So, yeah. It, it's and here in the UK, of course, we don't have the same legal issues that you do in America. We have some, so it depends what gym you go to, Steve. If you go to a fitness place, you'll probably never hear about it, except maybe in the locker room. Whereas the kind of gyms that I train in and have trained in for a long time, we're a little bit more open in our conversations and discussions about it, and especially when you're with guys that you've seen around for a little while and we can talk about those kind of things. But it's still, uh, I'm not necessarily sure that I would sit down and have a cup of tea with my mum and talk about steroids. So, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable around the guys, but uh, certain things stay off the table. It's not something that's out there all the time. Let's, yep. let's have a look at the cyclist, Steve. Yep. Trembolone acid, say, a quite, quite reasonable amount, I think, what's been suggested. Trembolone, when you're that young, you're very insulin sensitive. You haven't got the grind yet, gone through the stress of life, mm. gone through overeating, gone through all this stuff, especially him starting out as an ectomorph. Obviously, his body is yeah. very insulin sensitive. So when you hop on trend, not only is trend going to give you muscle gains, but it's also going to cut you up at the same time. That's why guys use trend universally, whether you're a physique guy or whether you're a big time 280 pound bodybuilder, Trembolone is going to be part of your arsenal, especially in this in this time frame. Testosterone, ethanate, probably a low dose just to get in. Some of those extra androgens get a little bit of action going with the testosterone. Not a lot. If you run too much testosterone, you're not going to get that kind of physique, guys, because you're going to blow. 95% of you out there, you run testosterone 500, 700, 1,000 milligrams a week. It's going to give you bloat. You better be taking an AI. So in this situation, makes more sense just to run a low dose of testosterone. Ahead of your competition, cut it off. You don't want it in your, in your system. Primobolin. 600 milligrams a week. Primobolin is one that's not going to put on any water retention. It's a DHT derivative. You're going to get cut up on it. You're going to notice that you have more shape to your muscles on it. It's going to, it's going to sculpt you much better. Winstrol, 50 milligrams a day. It's a dry compound. It'll dry you out. Then carterine and osterine, those are SARMs. Uh, carterine, a standard dose, 20 milligrams a day. Carterine burns fat. It changes the way your body taps into energy. So it's going to, so your body, a normal person, normal situation, your body is going to go after sugar and fat to get energy from, right? So if you're eating crappy and you're exercising, you'll notice you don't lose weight because your body's tapping into that crappy food that you're putting in your body. But if you're fasting and doing exercise or you're eating clean foods, then your body can't tap into sugar. So it's going to go ahead and tap into fat. 
So in this situation, when you take cartering, the magic about cartering is that it will train your, it will tell your body to use fat for energy. So it is a tremendous weapon when it comes to fat loss. And SARMs were, were coming around toward the end of his transformation. So it's possible, yes. you know, hypothetically speaking, if, you know, this is a hypothetical thing, we're not saying he did this stuff, but we're saying he could have we're done this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then Austrian is one that, you know, you can throw in there 50 milligrams a day as well, or any other SARM, because SARMs aren't going to aromatize. They're not going to give you energetic side effects. They're going to help you recomposition. So I think, you know, any of those would have been something he used. Now, since then, since then, Mobster, what, tell us about that. What would you put in and take out for his original transformation? And we'll talk about what we think he's possibly could have used the past three years. Right. So first, first thing that occurred to me while you were talking this, Steve, and I made a couple of notes here, I says, I think as an ecto with some mesomorphic tendencies, in other words, a muscle, muscular shape, which we can see in him now, he wasn't fat as there was a little tiny bit when he was a teenager there was a little bit of teenager uh, puppy fat there he grew out of that he was playing basketball that's going to keep the fat off you we know that he looks ripped to shreds now so i'm going to say right looking at the trend 300 milligrams a week is almost a reasonable dose and i'd actually say if he's using this kind of drugs trend's probably going to be in it but he's a good responder as you said he's taken it at the right age he has the right kind of genetics and he's going to respond well to this. Whereas some guys can be too fat. As you said, their insulin sensitivities change. They really got crappy diets and they wonder why they struggle on trend. I don't think Stephen would have had that kind of issue. So it seems almost a perfect drug and a perfect dose, especially for a guy that's competing. Some guy, I, I, I've never used trend and I know a lot of the heavier guys that have done strong man and strength training with me struggle on trend for that reason because they're heavier because they've got a bit more body fat and they just don't respond so well. Stephen has the genetics to do well on these kind of drugs. We talk about this all the time, but a, 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 almost a sensible dose. Testosterone ethanate. Now I've said this on, on the forums. I never got a single thing out of it, Steve. My buddies would rage over this stuff. But, and, and in fact, I'm pretty sure that I use more than, than we're suggesting here. So together with the trend, the ratios are great and the, the amounts are low. In fact, if anything is high, and in the suggested cycle, it's probably going to be the Primo, purely and simply because you're running Primo here at 600 milligrams, and the other two drugs together are only come up to 500. The Winstroll agree 100%. When you see how dry Stephen looks, having a, a, a drug in there that's helping him dry up, again, a perfectly sensible dose here. I, I'm not, I've never run quite the ground total that's looking at here, but this is actually kind of a moderate cycle overall. With the 300 to 200, that's 500, 1100. He's only be looking at about a gram, a gram and a half a week. That's high, little high, especially for now, Steve. And the chiderine, 100%, and the osterine, 100%. Now, as you say, what would we do now? What we would see now, and maybe in Stephen now that he's hit 26 years of age, and especially if he competes again. And again, as Steve, Steve Smith's already said, this is all best guess. I would probably see. I'm not necessarily saying this is what I would recommend, but I reckon most athletes that are competing at Stevens level, especially if he competes in the next couple of years, they're probably, to, to use that euphemism, up the trend. It's probably going to be close to the 450, 500, maybe 600 milligrams a week. Testosterone, everyone, or some sort of testosterone in there, for sure, just to balance things out. And a primo, again, I'll actually, even if we upped the trend and the testosterone, I'd probably still want to keep the primo down to a sensible amount. Here's where, where if there's going to be any real changes here, Steve, I think we're going to see more drying out type drugs to suit his physique and his competitive aspirations. So there's probably going to be other stuff on the table apart from Winstrol. Cardarine, uh, Austrian still, and some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, peptide in there. What would you throw in, Steve, if we were talking about an additional drying out, maybe two drying out drugs? What else? So obviously not stuff that makes you watery like Debo. Definitely, example. definitely Masteron, injectable yeah. Masteron for sure. I would say 500 milligrams injectable Masteron, harden them up. So if you yes, look at so his recent pictures, definitely hardened up. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and then I think just simply upping the trenbolone, adding more yeah. androgenic compounds, uh, maybe even Anadrol, 
um, if he reacts well to Anadrol, um, would be mm. a quick way to kind of get him to size without any aromatization. Although Anadrol yeah. does bind to estrogen receptors, just depends on how he reacts. You know, these guys over time, they learn what steroids they reacted to and what steroids they don't. So he would know. But definitely, I think Tremblone, upping the Tremblone. Tremblone is the, the number one weapon that we see guys use over the past few years. Um, and it's been it's it's just an amazing steroid so i think something else as well look at the cycle that we're suggesting here i think this is probably coming in close to competition type cycle so this would be somewhere this is the kind of stuff that you'd probably be looking to finish on 12 to 16 weeks out from the competition and then start adjusting the numbers but again i could see him using something like anadrol in the off season to bulk up to add five or six pounds of muscle over over a long period of time six to nine months and seeing if he needs more size. Now, his physique as it is a minute, this would be something that you have to judge for yourself, guys. And if advice again, for example, let's say that you are a good medium to high level competitive bodybuilder, even in the amateur ranks, quite often good to go off to a judge's gym and talk to the judge or talk to them after the show to get someone who's not your buddy to look and see where the gaps in your physique need filling in. And again, as Stephen is an example, there's not much of a gap in his back. He doesn't need to fill in gaps there. But maybe his arms need filling in. Maybe his chest needs filling in. Do you go, do I need to bulk up in your season and put on this extra weight in the muscle in those particular places and come back? So it ends up, you, you, you need to go off sometimes. Steve Smee does consults where we would look at a guy like Stephen and we would sit him down and we'd say, right, do you need to put on five pounds? Where does that muscle need to go? How are we going to achieve it? What training are we going to do? What do we have you on the off season? How long do we take you off, keep you clean? When do you bring you back in? And what do we need to do? Sometimes with regards to competition, Steve, I'd probably want someone that competes to have a look at him and who's got the kind of experience here. So, for example, when I'm talking about in the cycle here, but I can for sure see competition diuretics again, lots of conditioning type stuff and manipulating of the variables. What I, again, in my opinion, the cycle that we're suggesting here is perfectly feasible. We don't know for sure it's always going to be an educated guest. But I think this is kind of stuff that you would do running up to and just before he gets into the competition cycle. And if I was in his position, and maybe I compete once a year for argument's sake, I'd probably have three months clean with nothing. Just, just something like into generate as a testosterone booster. And then I would do a bulking cycle, put on three to five pounds of muscle, which on his frame, with his height, uh, the way that he's built looking now, three to five pounds would look amazing. And then we'd be looking at a cycle like this as you run down to the competition cycle. And then Steve and I would probably change this again for a competition cycle and manipulate the variables, adjust the amounts, as Steve says. And because we both think he's a good responder to something like trend with the testosterone in there, we would just probably adjust those amounts. But we would change uh, the Winstrol to Masteron, or we might use those two drugs together, and we would harden him up. And then it, we get down to those last few weeks when we want to bring out every single DL, and that would be something on another level again. And I would I would probably want to sit down with a proper competition prep coach and really go the ins and outs. And you'd need Steve to be keeping a diary, keeping all this information so that we could get as much out of him as possible and bring him in so he's razor sharp. And again, I've seen some of the pictures here. He looks pretty damn good right now. So on stage with that kind of conditioning he's already got, with his ability to respond to drugs that he's already got, I think we... He, he, he would maybe, in the next couple of years, Steve, move up from, from the NPC stuff and the amateur stuff to the pro levels. Uh, what that would have an effect on is on his, uh, the fact that he's, uh, he's an Instagram guy. Easily go from his three quarters of a million to a million. You'd be surprised. This is the thing I think a lot of Instagram people don't look at. Competition and being real and being on stage is actually really, really good for business. And in his particular case, he's still a young guy, He's going to learn so much more about himself and what he's capable of. And that would be given over, you know, from doing consults, Steve, lifting, you're able to pass that information on. So if he's got his clients, him bringing the best out of himself is actually in its way going to pass down to his clients as well. And that's going to be good for business too. But people will be more respectful. They're learning more from you because you've been there, you've seen it, you've done it, and you're passing on that kind of information. You've been on stage, you know what that's like, you know what dieting was like, you know what trying to get in conditions like. So that 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 is certainly worth more than 10 bucks a month. We'll probably have to up his prices, Steve. Yeah, back to you to finish. Yeah, guys. And 
you know, at the end of the day, steroids are a weapon. They're a tool. So, you know, you can use them. um, You can use them the right way. You can use them the wrong way. Um, You know, at the end of the day, like we're not your, your dad. I mean, that's like a, that's a cliche. So at the end of the day, we're not your dad. I can say I did not mess with them until I was almost 29, pretty much like a few days before I turned 29 is when I first started using them. And even in, and then I felt like I, I was still young. I could, could have still gotten better when it came to nutrition, when it came to workouts, and I still could have improved from there. So at the end of the day, um, you know, you have to make the decision yourself when you want to do it. Using an excuse of that I was bullied, I was this, I was that, you know, you could still, it doesn't really matter when you become an adult. Like, do adults bully each other? They bully each other differently. You know, adults bully each other when it comes to like business and, and stuff like that, but it's not the way it was back when you were in school. So um, I think a lot of kids now with a pandemic, they don't have to go to school. They're doing it from home. Mm. So I think that's, mm. that's taken away, but now the bullying is happening on through social media. So if that's the case, maybe just get off social media, like get off Facebook and and do it that way and there are some laws now where um you know that kind of prevents cyberbullying too so those are those are you know things but yeah bullying is definitely a problem um it's and it kind of is made worse when you're younger you know and you kind of feel like oh my life is over and at the end of the day you know once you get away from the bs that's the best way to do it just move get up and move if you're a teenager you're a bully, go to college in a different state or across the state and get away from it. Just get there. So there's no need to put up with that kind of bullshit. And um, if you're a younger guy and you are getting bullied as a teenager, I'll let Mobster give his advice. But my advice to you at the end of the day is go talk to, you know, your principal. A teacher, you know, may help you, but teachers are you know, don't really give a shit in a lot of cases when it comes to bullying. But really, at the end of the day, I would be talking to your principal about it. Go up to the top. Don't waste your time talking just to the teacher. And at the end of the day, like telling your parents about it. A lot of times parents don't get it either. I mean, mobster, I think you're a father, but I think sometimes yeah, parents, yeah. Yeah. I, don't think, I don't think parents get it. They don't get it. Like when it comes to that. And it's like, what are the parents going to do about it? Are they going to go to that kid's parent, you know, parent's house? And like threaten to beat up the dad like oh your kid's bullying my parent i'm gonna beat you up so <laughs> yeah so at the end of the day like definitely seek out an authority figure and they should they should handle it and if your principal doesn't give a shit then go to the fucking district you know um until someone actually helps you in worst case have them move you to a different school at least if you go to a different school you know you don't have to deal with that crap so don't don't just let it let it happen you know and then at the end of the day, use it, the negativity as a positive, get into sports, yeah. get into weight yes. training, build confidence. Yeah. If you build confidence in yourself, bullies won't pick on you. Yeah. If they you know, because bullies are, are pussies, you know, they're, they're pussies themselves. They're picking on you because they perceive you as weak, but really they're the weak ones. So they're weak and they're perceiving you as weak. But if you yeah. build self-confidence and stuff, then they won't, they won't mess with you anymore. It's, it's just that simple. So final thoughts, mobster, we'll close up. I'm going to agree 100%, Steve. As you were talking, that was the first thing that came into my mind. I think weight training for me, regardless of whatever, I'm a big brother. I'm the eldest of four boys. So I've probably got that whole big brother, shepherd, alpha male, whatever the hell you want to call it, vibe going on from the get-go. It would have been an expectation for me as the oldest of four to protect my younger brothers. So there's probably an element of that in my personality in the way that I've been brought up, the way that my mum, you know, she let us brothers fight each other and whatever else because we were too too small to do any real damage or whatever else. And obviously, if my brother's got any shit off of bullies, I'll go out and kick their ass. That's what big brothers do. I'm only going to be kicking the ass of someone who's the same age as a younger brother. I'm not taking on the real big guys, although that did happen a couple of times. But what I will say, and I agreed 100%, as Steve was saying, it, was what we do here in his podcast and on the forum is the guys are lifting weights. We have some MMA guys, some basketball players, but the great and vast majority of our members and our listeners the guys that go to the gym and pound the weights on the machines and on the free weights and on the dumbbells. And I would agree a thousand percent. Talk about a confidence booster. I've been 
to 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 I've been to I've been paid to work at expos. I've done seminars. It's very much that whole sort of you know it's very but everybody gets uncomfortable going out and talking in front of people. But what am I talking about? I'm talking about something I love. I like to lift weights. I like being strong. Therefore, when I go to a seminar or when I go to an expo and I'm talking to customers, I'm talking to people at a seminar or whatever else, they like to lift weights too. It's great. So therefore, you're talking about stuff that makes you confident. Of course, you're confident when you've got a 50-inch chest and a 20-inch arms. If you haven't got confidence, then you've got other issues and you need to go and get those addressed. You should feel better for being stronger, faster healthier than the average Joe, and that should give you confidence. And again, if it doesn't, then go and take up another hobby, guys. There's other things you can do. Maybe something involving some sort of martial art or whatever. And the truth of the matter is, even with all the, I, I, I mix with not just people that train with weights, but because of the level that I've managed to achieve for myself in my chosen field, which was only ever world-class grip strength. I'm, I'm strong, for gym strong, but I'm not world-class strong on everything, just in grip strip. And yet that meant I met athletes from other fields, that black belt in martial arts, high-level strength athletes, world-class fighters, this kind of world-class climbers, and you all had that hunger for success. That's the kind of journey that I made when it comes to lifting weights, and it's a journey that you can go on to. So there's going to be the advice. In terms of uh, my advice, to uh, my daughter uh, and my grandkids or my youngest brother when, when he was still with us, every stuff like that, go punch the bully in the ghoulies. Bullies don't like you fighting back. Now, I'm not telling you guys to go out and commit random acts of violence because that would not be a great message, but bullies don't like it when you kick us. My, uh, a very, the last thing I say, so my youngest brother's telling me about some guy giving him aggravation or picking on him or whatever else. I said, turn yourself into a little mental tank and keep going forward until he gets bored with picking on you because you will fight back every single time. I can go down and kick his ass. I think I probably did. But every single day, this is why parents sometimes forget it because they need you to go on that journey. They need you to learn what you need to do with this stuff and how you can fight back. As a much bigger, much older person, I occasionally get people say, oh, they're going to do crazy stuff to me but they're talking they're not doing so i tend to laugh it never happens i couldn't tell you the last time i had a fight steve i had to do any crazy shit and any of the guys here that lift weights or whatever else it's my gym my rules i get enough respect and worst comes to the worst i'll pick you up by your seat your pants and put you outside of the street and then wave very nicely goodbye and hope that we can remain friends afterwards <laughs> so yeah okay get in the gym guys pound the weights use it as motivation Use it to make yourself like Steve is with Stephen. What a transformation. If it was bullying that made him transform, it's almost kind of worth it. If it was not liking the way that he looked that made him transform, it was definitely worth it because he's been on some hell of a journey. And in terms of where he was to where he is now, he's done incredibly well. If he used PEDs like we think he did, fine in his case. He's a good responder. He didn't know that when he started the journey. None of us know where we're going with this stuff but we end up where we are. Stephen and I did not, Steve, me and I did not start lifting weights thinking we we're going to be doing podcasts for Evolutionary and Evo and, and all the other places that we do this stuff for. This is not a journey that we, we didn't imagine that when we were kids. So we're where we are now, and hopefully we're out there telling hundreds and hundreds of thousands of listeners where how they can make something of their lives and transform just as well as what Steve has. And if need be, kick a bully's ass. Back to you, Steve. All right, guys. So this is episode 130. Mobster, you want to give a little uh, preview of 131? The next the next guy, I'm not going to mention any names, Steve, but I think he's the complete opposite of Stephen Trail in, in that he kind of made all the wrong moves in spite of having an amazing body. And uh, he's kind of insta-famous for the wrong reasons, and he's how not to do it. So, yeah, that's all we're going to say about him. I'm sure some of you guys know what we're talking about. I'm just going to say one word now, Steve, maybe two words, Photoshop, nothing else. That's it. <laughs> all right, guys. <laughs> so try to figure it out, and you'll see it next yeah. week. One thirty, Stephen Chow. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care, buddy. Stay, stay warm over there, out there. That's I will do. And draw. <laughs> all right.